0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, welcome to Sharp Lessons, Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. He's the professor, Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. I am not the professor. Nate, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. A little bit uh, tired, I guess, even yeah. on a Tuesday. After yep. four days in the NCAA tournament, I always forget how it's exhausting, rigorous that is with the 16 games on Thursday, the 16 on Friday late into the night, yep. and then you turn around Saturday, and there's games for like 13 more hours Saturday and Sunday. And by Sunday, lot. when the game's starting to happen, you're like, I- I've had enough basketball for for this uh, yeah. for the last three days, and you just kind of go through Sunday. And luckily Sunday was a pretty interesting slate of games, a lot of big matchups because there wasn't too many upsets on friday uh but yeah uh, just kind of been resting i guess the last uh 36 hours or whatever (laughs) doing a little golf betting but getting ready for the sweet 16 which should be a a pretty interesting round i would say uh with we'll talk about some interesting paths for teams on uh all starts sides of the bracket
0: yeah it's it's been a fun tournament i think we've had a fun upset 16 over one we've had Furman winning which was a lot of fun I think this is, you know, nothing special of a tournament, but it's been fun, which is really all we ask for at this point. It's just just have a tournament that's fun, that's enjoyable, has a couple fun upsets. My bracket's still doing all right, and I don't know who cares about anyone else's <laughs> bracket, but my bracket's doing great. Uh, but it's, you know, it's just I think it's been fun. It was a fun weekend. Some fun people won. I'm I'm all in on it.
1: Yeah, we gave out our final four picks last week. I saw three teams left. Yep. Uh, with Duke was the only team to same. bow out, which is the, the region that I've totally bundled where I have no Elite Eight teams. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people are in the same boat, that East region that will play at Madison Square Garden starting on Thursday. But other than that, yeah, I have some uh, Alabama-Texas finals still intact with uh, UConn out of the West. It was nice to see the Huskies play so well. A team we kind of highlighted last week is a very under four seed uh, in that west region that was really loaded there should probably be more like a two seed and they've been playing at their best like a one seed so oh yeah um, i know you were in las vegas so let's yep. just before we get into the sweet 16 games how was uh how was the trip to vegas for fly on the line and uh what was the atmosphere like for some of those uh, big results?
0: Yeah, I mean, you talk about uh, being exhausted by Sunday. You throw in sixteen games Thursday, Friday, plus drinking, plus waking up at six thirty in the morning. It's uh, it's a lot. I was exhausted, but man, it's uh, it's quite the environment to be in Vegas for an event like that, especially at a sports book. I mean, it's packed to the gills by nine a.m. when all these games start. People are drinking, yelling, hooting, hollering, smoking, whatever it is. It's unbelievably the best, in my opinion, environment to be for a March madness weekend, at least for that Thursday and Friday. And so you really feel like you're in the middle of it. And the best part to me is you're with your people. You're with the degenerates. So people are betting the race to 15. I think more people were betting races to 15 than they were just normal games. And so you have people right off of the bat rooting for the race to 15. A lot of the underdogs is what people bet. So a lot of these underdogs doing the race to 15 people were screaming when it was 13, 12 or whatever it is. So that is One of my favorite parts of being in a sports book for March Madness is just a lot of these degenerate bets that people make. A lot of first half unders, first half overs that people are yelling about. It's just such a good environment. If you're not going to be at a game, being in a sports book, I think, is the second best thing where you're in an environment with a lot of people rooting for similar things, rooting for fun events to happen. It's uh, it's a lot. You know, any trip to Vegas, I don't want to be there for more than 48 hours, and we were there for four days, so <laughs> a little worn down by Sunday, not for feeling sure. great, a little back was sore, feeling a little nauseous on the plane home, but other than that, it was good.
1: Yeah, it always looks like a, you know, a destination time to go to Vegas. I've always yeah. kind of wanted to go either that weekend or maybe some of the conference tournaments Yes, when there's even more games at the same time, but there's still a lot of good betting angles, so... Glad that you've uh, made it to Vegas and hopefully it's a more re- relaxful, restful. Oh man, I uh, hope. rest of the NCAA tournament for you. Yeah, my liver
0: needs a break. It's uh it was just it was a lot. We drank by the pool, which is great. Um but it was it was an event. <laughs> it's a lot. Yep. You come back you're like I need to drink only water and sleep for 12 hours for the next 3 days.
1: Yeah, and uh I hope you've been able to do that because on a Thursday night I'm pretty sure you're going to want to have yeah. a few drinks and not be able to sleep.
0: Yeah, luckily it's not as many games which is nice. Absolutely. You know, it always feels, you know, that Saturday and Sunday it feels a lot less thrilling because there's not four games always going on at once. But then when you get to that second weekend and you're like, there are only four games tonight? Eh, that's not it's not as exciting. Right, yeah,
1: Saturday and it. Sunday for two games each day and mm-hmm. if if one's a bad cl- a clunker of a game like last year I remember when St. Peters played North Carolina, it yeah, was just over like there. 8 minutes in and you're like, oh, well, I guess uh the There's only really three more games after the the final four. so You just have to sit through it. Yep, stinks.
0: All right, you want to get to the Sweet 16 thoughts that we get? Um, I know we kind of talked about how exciting of a tournament it has been so far, but, I mean, we're really seeing some high seeds and some low seeds, a really nice mix of these teams. We've already had some one seeds lose, both the men's and the women's, but specifically for the men's, Purdue, obviously, they go down, which is a lot of fun to watch. Kansas goes down. What what are we looking at as we go into the Sweet 16?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, it's pretty stark, the difference between the left side of the bracket and the right side of the bracket. So if you just kind of look and maybe rank or power rate the teams, the le- like st- the top six teams left, I'd say five of them are on the right side of the bracket, so in the West region or the Midwest region. And then you have Alabama as the other team on the left side, and right now alabama is a title favorite i know they're a very good team one of the best teams in country but i think it's more because of their path to the finals and you have like a team like Creighton, who is 10 to 1 11 to 1 but if they were on the right side of the bracket they'd probably be in that like 18 to 20 to 1 mix so i was looking at some betting markets and i saw one where it was just team to reach the final and alabama was the heavy favorite and then Creighton actually was a second favorite ahead of teams like Houston, ahead of Texas, ahead of all those teams in the West region, like UCLA, Gonzaga, and UConn. And that's pretty you know telling what the – just kind of the unbalance, I guess, at this point, where mm-hmm. you have like the East region where you have a, a three seed who's an underdog in the Sweet 16 against a seven, and then you have a nine against a four and a four seed who wasn't really trending well in Tennessee going into the tournament who picked up a key injury. So – Because of that, I think you have to really look at path even more than normal sweet 16 years because there's unbalance in the regions, but more specifically, so many good teams on that right side of the bracket compared to the left.
0: Yeah, let's look at that East region first then because we've got those four games. Michigan State, Kansas State, FAU, Tennessee. Uh, Michigan State comes in as a a one-and-a-half point favorite. They got bet to a favorite as the uh, the lower seed at seven. I really don't know what to make of Kansas State, and I was looking at this game at work, and you were right next to me, and I'm thinking, you know, I just I don't know how I'm going to bet this game. Both these teams have things that they do well that the other team doesn't do well. It seems fairly evenly matched to me. That's why this line is at one and a half. I kind of like the over on the total. I'm not completely sold on it, but I really don't have a play either way other than probably over 137
1: and a half. Yeah, I was... I, I think a lot of people might be surprised that Michigan State is seven and, and mm-hmm. not really a great Michigan State team, even like Tom Izzo all year. They
0: got kind of lucky.
1: Yeah, I kinda, mean, they, kinda they kinda did lucky. They did play well, I think, down the stretch a little bit in like the last three weeks. Uh, had a kind of a clunker in the Big Ten tournament, but sometimes it's a, a blessing it's disguise you need, yeah. to get uh, eliminated early from your conference tournament to focus on the, the main tournament. Get some I rest. thought they got maybe a little bit of a break getting to play in Columbus in the first two rounds, which is very close to – not very close, but an area they're familiar with where Mm -hmm. fans could travel easily. And even though they didn't really shoot well on Sunday, they definitely defended well against a Marquette team that had a a disappointing performance. But Kansas State, a team that I just feel like the betting market has not respected at all. I know they're a three seed, but if you look at the lines of their first two-round games – they were only a seven and a half point favorite against Montana State, which isn't even the best team from the big sky this season. That was Eastern Washington, who lost in their quarterfinals yeah. of the conference tournament. So they weren't even, you know, playing an elite low major. And they were only minus seven and a half in the first round. And then the second round against six seed Kentucky, Kentucky got bet out to minus three, uh, minus three and a half as high, and it closed minus three. And Kansas State won that game, a kind of a weird game where, I thought they played okay it was mostly marquise noel though keeping him around and then they made some big shots at the end so i understand probably why michigan state's favorite in this game because of that though I, I i would stay away i'm staying away personally at least from the you know betting this game sidewise at least before the game starts i know you said you kind of like the over uh, one thing you have to kind of be worried about in this round is Maybe some of the stadiums are, are bigger yep. NBA arenas like Madison Square Garden, and maybe the sight lines are a little tougher for some of these kids to shoot in. Plus, the games are just tighter when it's like Sweet 16, Elite Eight atmospheres, yeah. and in a, in a game with like a really close spread, I can see this kind of being a you know a a, a game where the pace isn't that high, right? Not I that would, fast.
0: So the tempo for Kansas State is very fast, is the thing, and Michigan State loves to slow it down. I'm just, I think when, when you look at Michigan State's stats from their last game against Marquette, two three-pointers made on 16 attempts, and Michigan State's been one of the best three-point shooting percentage teams in the country over the last month, there has to be some positive regression there. There has to be some type of shooting that they realize that they're able to do eventually against a Kansas State team whose three-point defense is actually pretty good. So I'm a little worried that maybe we'll see Kansas State's three-point defense stop Michigan State. Positive regression has to come for the Spartans at some point for their shooting. You can't go two for sixteen and then the next game, especially at Madison Square Garden, where they have played before. They played a game against Rutgers this season, right. which helps a little bit. Doesn't help a ton, but it was you know early January. It, it helps a little bit to be able to see that backboard, to see that screen. I I, I don't know. I kind of like the fact that Kansas State's an underdog, and whoever's an underdog in this game, I would probably take due to the line being so tight and to these due to these teams being so close together. But I do like the uh, the total for the over. Maybe a first half under, then a live bet on the total for the over at halftime. First half unders have been pretty profitable, at least on that Thursday for the first week of the tournament. And since, like we said, mm-hmm. new place, new arena, new teams, new venue, right. maybe we're going to see some first half unders with the teams adjusting once again.
1: So I actually have a bet in the other game. And yep, I'm going to be fading, fading the uh, current favorite to win the East Region. The Tennessee Volunteers are plus 115 okay, uh, consensus, but I'm going to bet against Tennessee and Rick oh, with Barnes. The I'm going to go with FAU, a team that I actually think is should have been higher than a nine seed, but they get docked because of the conference they play in, yeah. and the committee just doesn't really give credit to like a conference winner like the conference USA champ in FAU, and it was kind of unfortunate that they had to play Memphis in the first round because I think both those teams were more like kind of like probably should have been like four to five, maybe a six seed somewhere in that range, and one of them had to leave get eliminated in the first round, so. I was very impressed with how they played against Memphis, even though it was a game that really could have gone either way, one of the crazier games of the first round. And I know they didn't play well against FDU. It didn't come close to covering the closing number, but they survived. And I think that maybe there was a little bit of pressure on them that they didn't want to be another team to lose to a 16 seed. Yep. And now they're back into an underdog role, which I'm sure they prefer. On the other side, you have a Tennessee team that – people wanted absolutely no part of on saturday yeah. when they played duke duke got bet out from as low as minus two i saw to minus three and a half on game day because duke was playing i was one of those idiots yeah i mean I, I was on I, duke. I took duke right away yeah and i didn't play back on tennessee even though i you know considered it just because duke became such a a public side that you felt like it was like almost like a trap i don't like believe in traps like that but it right. kind of felt like a you know, maybe a, a little bit too much of an over adjustment. Yeah, the public. Too.
0: The thing is, public love Duke. They love Kansas, and both those teams didn't cover the spread right. nor win. And so Kentucky. I think yeah. that's one of those things where you look at Kentucky, you look at Duke, you look at Kansas. Those are the teams people are going to be betting on a lot because of their names day. They, they couldn't get it done. They just simply yeah. couldn't get it done. And I like the FAU pick from you because I mean, you look at how these teams have played in the last month or so. I'm just looking on Bartorvik, and FAU is ranked higher than Tennessee. They're a top 20 team in the nation. In the month of March, they're playing really good. Their defense is really good. Their free throw rate defense is really good. They have a really good two-point defense. A lot of things that you talk about with teams going into March and you want them to be hot in certain areas, that's all they do. They don't turn the ball over that often. They play good defense. Their offense shows up at times. Like This is a very good FAU team. And the fact that you can get five and a half points with them against the Tennessee team that may have overplayed their hand against Duke... I, I like that pick.
1: Yep, and Tennessee's been without point guards the guy Ziegler for about the last three weeks. Yep, um, He's still not back, and I don't really trust them to cover a number as kind of a pretty big favorite. Not huge favorite, but a substantial favorite in this game without Ziegler. Uh, it's a team that, you know, they made some three-pointers against Duke, but I don't fully trust that they're going to be able to carry that success in a game like this. And I just think a game, at like FAU is just a little bit undervalued, Tennessee off that big win, a little bit overvalued, and I grabbed plus five on FAU, and you can get even plus five and a half. I took a bad number, but I don't think it's going to go too much higher, so I'd play this you know, five, five and a half for sure, I think is a a number that you should be able to grab.
0: West region, we've got number eight Arkansas against number four UConn. Arkansas uh, minus three and a half is the UConn spread favored for the Huskies, and then number three Gonzaga, number two UCLA. In Vegas, minus two and a half to the Bruins. That is going to be an extraordinarily fun game. So we can, let's talk about Arkansas, UConn, then we can talk about arkansas UCLA, because I really love, I put the bet in no more than an hour ago on UConn minus three and a half over Arkansas. And I know Arkansas has looked good in this tournament. They surprised a lot of people. They've been underdogs the entire tournament. They've looked really good. Mm, UConn, though, playing the best basketball I think we've seen the Huskies play all season long. And they look like the team that everyone expected them to be towards the start of the year when they were. Top five in Bartorovic, Ken Palm, Haslametrics, whatever it is. All of the analytics loved UConn to start the season. They kind of had a rough middle of the year in the the Big East. Understandable. Now they're back as a four seed, and they're number one in all of the advanced metrics. Offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency, everything you'd want to see from a team. UConn is that team, and I can only get them, and they're only laying three and a half against Arkansas. I'll take it. I'll take that ten times out of ten.
1: Yeah, I didn't watch that much UConn this year I knew that in non-conference they were awesome and yep. at one point the number one team in Ken Palm I think even on January 1st and then they kind of had a little bit of a lull in conference play but then they picked it up in the last month of the season and they're still that analytical darling and it was kind of funny that St. Mary's UConn game was like the two teams that are that Ken Palm probably has highest in his ratings compared to their seed where UConn's like and St. Mary's were both top 10 teams even though it was a four and five seed. so mm-hmm. UConn ended up winning the analytical darling bowl they did. on Sunday. Yeah, uh, St. Mary's was leading, and then UConn got out in the second half and really asserted their dominance, just like they did Friday against Iona and Albany. And one angle I'm going to look into this game. I know you like UConn for the full game. You can kind of explain why, but UConn did have a couple slow starts on Friday and Sunday, and then really picked up in the second half. They outscored Iona by 26 points in the second half on Friday, and St. Mary's they outscored by 14 on Sunday. So if Arkansas can get, maybe get out to a fast start, which they kind of tend to do, I could see in a situation yeah. where I come in, uh, on a Yukon at a live underdog price, or more specifically when you might have more time to kind of settle in and see in line shop going Yukon second half, if the game is kind of tied at halftime, or maybe Arkansas has a small lead. So I'm looking towards Yukon over the 40 minutes to, you know, be the better team. But because this line's out to three and a half, and you know I still respect Arkansas quite a bit, I have no problem with kind of waiting to see what happens and just try to bet UConn live. I think UConn advances, uh, but in, in terms of laying the points, I'm a little bit cautious just because I don't know what the crowd dynamics going to be. UConn and Connecticut, far trip to Vegas, Arkansas fans. I mean we know what Arkansas fans are and they're going to make this trip to Vegas and they're going to come in droves should be an interesting crowd dynamic for this game. And then the the next game too, where both teams play their conference tournaments in Las Vegas. So should have plenty of representatives oh, there.
0: It's going to be rowdy. It's going to be fun. It's going to be loud. There's going to be drunk people everywhere screaming for these guys. And I think it's a great environment for you. Con, Cause college it's
1: basketball. It's <laughs>
0: college basketball. It's great. It's great. I mean, that is the classic college basketball environment, which I love. And especially for a tournament in Vegas, I think this is where UConn is going to thrive as a team. I just like a minus three and a half. I don't think waiting until halftime is the worst idea for this team. Like you said, they right. can have a they can have some slow starts trying to figure out their opponent, and then for whatever reason, they turn it on and they go. So I really think that might be a really good strategy for the second half. But I, I'm gonna lay the points. I'm gonna lay three and a half at UConn. Incredible offensive ability. Defensively, they're going to be great. I just don't know how the Razorbacks are going to be able to contain uh, Adama Sinogo. I I think their two-point defense, and you look at the stats for Arkansas, it's not great, and it's not bad, but they really don't play good two-point defense. Their close two-point defense, they give up a lot to teams. They let teams come inside. As, as much as they want, and I think that's what's going to happen with UConn. They're going to force-feed Sunogo in the post, especially in the second half, which they usually do. I think the guards are going to give Arkansas a little bit of trouble as well. UConn's playing the best basketball in the country right now. I don't think that's going to stop at the Sweet 16. i love them to win this game by five or more, to be quite honest. Gonzaga-UCLA. Yeah. The big game in Vegas. You talk about uh, a city with the fandom of these two teams. There's a lot of UCLA fans, a lot of Gonzaga fans in Vegas. UCLA's laying the two and a half. I like Gonzaga. I have him in my bracket winning this game in this matchup. I think their offense has been unbelievable, and I think because of how good their offense is, they are pretty much in every single game that they play. No matter how, how down and out they get, they can be down 10 I would still believe in Gonzaga to come back.
1: Yeah, so on right after Gonzaga beats TCU, lines come out, and it was pretty much UCLA minus one in mm-hmm. this game, which I thought was probably the right number, so I'm a little surprised UCLA yeah, well, has taken some same. money. Yeah. Um, I thought UCLA, uh, it's, a, it's a team that's very good, but they also got to play UNC Asheville and Northwestern, which I think was an overseeded seven, so they kind of had a – Easy path to get there, and they didn't cover against Northwestern. Yeah, and Gonzaga kind of was in a dogfight against TCU and ended up winning and co- not covering. I guess on one of <laughs> the most crazy uh, moments in betting yeah. history in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I'm sure everyone's seen it if you're listening to a show like this. Mm-hmm. I wonder if uh, UCLA they going into the tournament. We had questions about them and Pac-12 tournament. Uh, their star, one of their star players, star defensive player at least, Jalen Clark. And probably their third best player overall was out for you know the rest of the season, and I wonder if this is a kind of game where that injury catches up. And you know they were able to get away with it against Northwestern and of course UNC Asheville, but now against Gonzaga, the number one team in offensive efficiency. If he's if Gonzaga maybe could exploit UCLA a little bit more in this game, so uh, I don't know if I totally agree with the line move. At the same time. I respect UCLA a lot and maybe a little bit worried about Gonzaga's defense in this game overall. So probably a stay-away game for me. Just wanted to watch. I know two years ago they played in the uh, Final Four, the semifinals in in the bubble back when they were in Indy. And it was a classic game, but that was a UCLA's team. That was an 11 seed, and that was a much better Gonzaga team. Now the rematch – I think they had a rematch in the regular season last year, but uh, another another big game in the tournament between these teams who – are very familiar with Las Vegas. UCLA plays in T-Mobile Arena mm-hmm. every year in the Pac-12 tournament. Gonzaga plays in Las Vegas in the WCC tournament, which they always dominate, and their fans will certainly make the trek from Spokane or wherever in Washington State to this game. So really excited to watch this game. I'm just kind of curious to see if this where this line goes. Maybe Gonzaga takes some money. Up until game down Thursday night.
0: I mean, I'm gonna take the Gonzaga money line. As long as they're underdogs in this game, I'm gonna take their money line because again, as as much as I like UConn and how good they've been playing, best team in the country, I think especially Gonzaga's offense, best best team in the country almost offensively. They they are number one in Bartorovic in offensive efficiency rating. They are just unbelievable at not only scoring the basketball, but shooting efficiently as well. And and when there's a moment where maybe they're not playing well, their defense is giving up points, it's always their offense that saves them, which is Sometimes counterintuitive than how you want a team to be. You want kind of them to rest their laurels on their defensive side. But, man, the way Gonzaga has been playing offensively, I think they're going to be in any game. And I think that Clark injury is, like you said, going to catch up to UCLA because they haven't played a team as offensively gifted as Gonzaga. Yeah. I think I think this is this is their, this this, is their this, game to win. This
1: region is just the best because you have UConn two to one, mm-hmm. you have UCLA two to one, you have Gonzaga a little more than that plus two thirty. Yep, and you have Arkansas like the five to one, six to one range. But I wouldn't be surprised if any of these teams advance. But in most of the uh, regions, it's teams that are either odds on to advance or like Tennessee yeah. is just over plus money. This definitely seems like the most wide open. But also, whoever gets out of this region is probably going to be. Well, I don't know. I don't want to say probably going to be a favorite for the final four because Houston probably would be favorite against most of these teams. Right. And maybe even Texas. But they'll definitely be battle tested, whoever gets out of this region, yeah. just because these are going to be uh, tough games and the Sweet 16 and then whatever the Elite 8 matchup ends up being.
0: So let's go to that South region who has a team who I love to get to the championship and to win the championship. And that's the Alabama Crimson Tide. They play San Diego State and they are laying seven and a half. Then we have the Ivy League Darlings. Princeton against Creighton. Creighton's minus nine and a half in this game. Uh, And we talked about first to 15. I had Princeton first to 15 in Vegas. What a way to win that, sitting at a poolside bar, watching Princeton just keep against scoring points.
1: Missouri? Against or Missouri, yeah. Arizona, okay. It was
0: great. It was real fun yeah. to watch, and I don't know if they're going to be able to <laughs> do it again against Creighton, but if the I, price is right, you'll have to uh, you'll fire have away. To, yeah, you'll have to lay a little bit for for the, for the race to 15. Uh, we could start with the Crimson Tide, San Diego State game. Uh, Alabama minus seven and a half. I really don't have much to say about this game yeah, other I than I just... I love Bama, man. I, they've been playing great. They're kind of like UConn to me where it, they've been playing really good defensively. They've been playing really good offensively. I mean, there's not much else you can say about this team because of how well they have been playing. And they've winning, they're have winning. they winning games without the help from Brandon Miller. Yeah. He, That's how you know they're playing
1: well. I mean, it was against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, it but was, he did not score a point. I which know is he still had, insane. He was battling maybe a little bit of injury going on. Yep. But... He did play on Saturday that late game against Maryland, so that's a good sign for Alabama, who are right now minus one hundred thirty-five to advance from this region. Creighton at plus one ninety, I think, are setting up for a Alabama Crane matchup on Sunday in the Elite Eight, which actually should be pretty interesting, I think. I don't have yeah, I don't have much on really either game in this region. I will say San Diego State. Want to give them some credit because mm-hmm. the Mountain West has been, been horrendous pooped. the last six tournaments. Poo poo. And it was a close one against Charleston, but they got it done. And they got a little bit of good fortune getting to play Furman in the second round, a Furman team off yeah. the you know victory of their life against Virginia with a quick turnaround. Uh, probably a bad spot for Furman and a yes. and, you know a good spot for San Diego State to catch that team. And now they, that those games were in Orlando, probably travel back home. You know, and then I have to go all the way back to Louisville. So a lot of travel for San Diego State, and I just simply, kind of like Alabama football, just don't want to step in front of the uh, Alabama train <laughs> sometimes. No, you and don't. It's hard to say that or, you know, believe that in terms of basketball, but that's where I am right now. Uh, I think the, you could maybe fade Alabama, again, at least against the spread, maybe in another game against a different opponent. Or it could be creating on Sunday or maybe in the Final Four or even the title game. But uh, for now, I'm going to... Stay away from this game and just watch. And hopefully, maybe Alabama wins by a lot. And then, you know, they'll be overvalued a little bit going forward. And maybe take Creighton against the spread on Sunday. But yeah, that's really my uh, my thought on this game. I think it's kind of tough for San Diego State with the travel stuff. And just the idea that uh, a Mound West team is going to uh, knock off Alabama seems pretty far fetched. That
0: seems crazy. It really does. Um, Princeton Creighton, again, another high spread game. I kind of like the under. In this one, at 140, um, Princeton plays very slow. As we know, their pace is, in the last month, I think it's like 266 on Bart But both these teams have played really good defense over the past month or so. Both top 50 defenses on Bart. Um, They both play relatively slow, and they don't turn the ball over a lot, nor do they force a lot of turnovers. So we're not going to see a lot of fast breaks, and we're not going to see a lot of steals and takeaways like that. I think this might be a slow-measured game. Princeton is going to want to slow things down to keep from Creighton from building a large lead on them as the underdog. I think they know what they have to do. They shot really well against Mizzou. They were going on a tear, and I don't think that's going to happen again, especially against a good Creighton defense. Yes. But Princeton has good defense of their own. So I like the under at 140. Hopefully it doesn't go down too much more. But I really do first half unders. I love change of scenery, change of venue. Love that as well. But for the full game at 140, I'll take the I'll take the under.
1: Yeah. So I don't have too much necessarily about the game, but it's kind of crazy that so Crane before the tournament they were 10 to one or sorry, 50 to one to win it all, mm-hmm. and now they're 10 to one, 11 to one to win it all, and all they did was win two games. Uh, I guess the Baylor game, you know, they ended up opening as an underdog. They closed a favorite though on Sunday. And I, I was on them and advanced my bracket. So I was expecting Creighton to play well and they did play really well, but this was supposed to be Creighton or, you know, Creighton against Arizona was really yeah, what was. this was supposed to be. So Creighton just gets a huge break, not having to play Arizona in this particular game. And that's why they're tend to want to win the title. And especially when you look at who they would potentially play in the final four, if they get there uh, in the East region, those teams where we talked about. So, yeah, Crane really has a, a, a nice setup, a team that a lot of people in the summer were really kind of talking about because they returned everyone, and then they add Baylor-Snyderman Snyderman from the uh, the transfer portal from, I believe, San Diego State or South Dakota State. Mm-hmm. Me. So this team was kind of hot team going into the season. They started off slow. Their uh, their big guy, Kalkbrenner had mono mm-hmm. and missed some time. They struggled, but then they really put it together in the last couple months. So Creighton was kind of a, the darling of the season that looked like maybe they were totally overvalued. And now based on just kind of the path, they're kind of back to where maybe people expected them to be, have a real shot at actually winning the national title.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm I'm not worried about it, but that's what I'm starting to think about, Creighton, where
1: there's a top ten team going into this going into yeah, this season. A lot s- of
0: people thought they were one of the favorites to win the title with how good Calk Brenner is and M, and, M. and we've Harden. seen a lot of these guys Come around and be really good role players to him. It's just
1: they've made made mistakes, as you said, motto and not, injuries. It, Baylor Sh- Shireman, Shireman, yes. not Schneider. Sounds like a it was, like a German, <laughs> yes, like center back from like their World Cup teams or something. Yeah, like
0: a little rugby player.
1: <laughs> Baylor Sh- Schneiderman. There we go. We'll fix it in post. It's perfect. Yep. Um, all right,
0: we'll go to the next region, the Midwest where Houston is the favorite to come out of the Midwest at minus 125. They play number five Miami, or five-seeded Miami, minus seven and a half is the line for Houston. And then we have Texas Xavier, another fun matchup, Texas laying the four points in that one. Uh, Houston, you know, everyone's concerned about Marcus Sasser and his injury and how healthy he's going to be. And they're they're now taking on a Miami team who I I don't – I think they play really well against teams that aren't super physical. And we saw that against Indiana. Indiana's not a physical team. They're not going to outmuscle you in any way, shape, or form. We saw that on the board specifically where Indiana didn't think they should be able to get a rebound at all for whatever reason. And Miami out-rebounded them on the offensive glass. Houston's a very different team. Houston is going to outmuscle you. Houston is going to attack you. They're going to charge at you downhill. I'm not sure if Miami is prepared for that in any way, shape, or form, especially after playing Indiana. I, I just don't. I don't see a way for Miami to rise rise to the level of the aggression of the intensity that Houston does play at.
1: Yeah, I was encouraged from what I saw from Houston. That was kind of a tricky game on Saturday because you're playing an Auburn team yeah. in Birmingham, with, and it seemed like it was really doom or gloom after their Northern Kentucky one on Thursday yeah. with Sasser re-aggravating the groin injury. You had shed their other guard who apparently injured his knee and it didn't sound really good, at least from Calvin Sampson's original quotes. But then on Friday, both players said they were fine Mm -hmm. and they ended up playing pretty well against Auburn after, you know, going down by 10 at halftime. So I think Houston kind of showed why they're one of the best teams in the country, if not the best team in that performance and against the Miami team that I know everyone saw them last, what they did against Indiana was very good. They were on the verge of losing to Drake. They were losing by eight with like four minutes left after the TV timeout, and then they put some press on, and Drake kind of folded, and Drake really struggled offensively, getting quality shots and scored one point in the final three and a half minutes. So uh, it's kind of you know, let's just say my weekend betting would have been a lot better if Drake just closed the door on Miami because <laughs> I ended up betting against Miami twice. Should have gone one and zero. Oh, ended yeah. up going oh and two. I I. I I think houston is, is so are, you, the, are you gonna
0: bet against miami again
1: i will i'm not gonna bet against six i don't want to lay the now it's seven seven and a half after yeah being down to six and a half but i wouldn't be surprised if houston kind of dominates this game
0: i think houston's gonna be a parlay team for me they're gonna be a money line parlay team rather than the spread because as much as i doubt miami laranaga as a coach He does magic sometimes. He knows how to get a team ready for the tournament. We saw it last year, too. Like This is a team people do not expect to do well. For whatever reason, they're prepped. They're ready. They know what to do. So I wouldn't count Miami out spread-wise, but Houston's definitely going to be a money-line team for me in some parlays. Texas and Xavier. Texas lay in the four, Nate. Uh, I love the Longhorns. I love them. I put them in my Final Four. I put them in my championship against Bama. I think this team is playing absolute lights-out defense think that's going to be a problem for Xavier we've seen Xavier play well in this tournament but during the regular season they were a very up and down team they had games where they looked terrible I was at one of those games against DePaul they looked awful they couldn't hit oh, yeah. any shots that was the one big game DePaul won all season I'll take some credit <laughs> for that for sure and I think we're probably going to see a game similar to that with Xavier they've just been playing too well for me and I don't think they have the consistently see to continue that especially against a team as good defensively as Texas.
1: Yeah, this Texas team is really loaded. There's also some familiarity here with the Longhorns. They won the Big 12 tournament just two weeks ago in this building at the Sprint Center in Kansas City. So I like that angle, that they're you know, familiar with the arena, a little bit of familiar with the locker rooms. And then you mentioned Xavier. They had a bad loss against DePaul that you were at. Mm-hmm. They had a bad loss against Butler earlier this season, which are like the two worst teams in the Big East. And then on Friday they were really up against against Kennesaw State down 13 in the second half. Yep. They asked talked to Sean Miller after the game. The TV reporter did on C, um whatever channel it was on whatever Turner True TV. I think it was True TV actually. What a channel! And uh, Sean Miller didn't swear, but even though he could have, um, <laughs> he did. Yeah, it's True TV. But, it's uh, fine. He basically was like, I don't know how he won. Like, just right. he didn't. He had no idea. And I know he like kind of credit the team fighting through adversity, but that was a pretty poor performance against Kansas State. Yeah. And then they did take care of business Sunday against Pitt. It was a Pitt team playing their third game of the week because they were playing the play-in game in Dayton on Tuesday. So I don't give Xavier like too much credit, I guess, or too, just kind of too much credit from how they played this tournament. It's a team that struggles defensively. They have had it all season. And they were very overseeded as, as, as a three seed, in my opinion. They're probably more like a five or a six seed. So I do like Texas here. I laid minus three and a half. I'd still play minus four on Texas in this game. I just really like their talent, the familiarity, and then being able to exploit Xavier's defense a little bit in this game.
0: Yeah, I think this, to me, if I'm going to bet any team in this region, it's going to be Texas. It's going to be Texas at minus four. I, I mean, they might be another team I live bet.
1: To win the region, too, or just this game?
0: Um. Well, I I have them win in the region in my Brackets. in my bracket. Yeah, I mean, and i still kind of like it.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, so, I listen, need them to win.
0: <laughs> we're Team Texas on here, and if you can get them at two to one, I don't think that's the worst bet to make. And I do like Houston. I do, and I'm interested to see how they play against Miami. And Miami might wear them down just a little bit. Um, but I, I do like Texas. Yeah. I just think Texas. You look at the advanced stats. You look at just how they've been playing. This is a team that has their stuff figured out seemingly defensively. They're so on top of it and offensively they can have runs too. So I, I don't know. It just seems to me they're, they're the team that's looking really good right now.
1: Yeah. If you do like Texas to win the region, I I'd probably grab that, that pl- price of plus two to one right now, because if they win this game against Xavier, they're going to be less than a two to one underdog against Houston. Mm-hmm. And what if, you know, Houston has a bad game and Miami wins and Texas is going to be a favorite by a couple buckets. So, I think there's a an in if you do like Texas uh, and you don't want to lay the points just because you're not comfortable betting favorites in college basketball, just betting them to win the region could be a way to go because if they do advance, they're probably only going to be like plus plus one fifty on the money line in a hypothetical matchup against Houston.
0: Yeah. So those are our bets. I think we like it. Um, yeah. Would love to see a Texas Alabama championship. Me too. But we'll have to see what happens for that. <laughs> Uh yeah, I mean I, I love Yukon. Made the UConn bet. I think I'm gonna bet Texas. I'm gonna put Houston in a money line, parlay with another team. Um, and I'm probably gonna take the Princeton and Creighton under. I think those are my bets.
1: Yep, I'm already in FAU plus five. You can get five and a half now, so make sure to get the best of that number. And then I'd bet laid three and a half of Texas minus three and a half. I would definitely take the minus four at minus one ten. Yeah. That's out there on the Longhorns and I really, you know, I'm not going to uh, put more money on Texas, since I have a lot of exposure <laughs> on them in my on my bracket pool. But yeah, right. if you don't have, you know, your brackets are done, and you just want to bet, I would uh, suggest the Texas plus two to one, or two, plus two hundred to win the Midwest region, knowing that they will be a smaller underdog price against Houston in the Elite Eight, or maybe they just get lucky and get, and get Miami.
0: Yeah, that's true. We'll have to see what happens. Good luck to everybody. Have a fun time watching basketball this weekend. I know I will. Hopefully, uh, less intense than Vegas, but we'll have to see. Good luck to everyone, and uh, good luck on our brackets as well.